The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile in the boat, already, meanwhile the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came towards them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. What we orient our attention towards, where we put our time and our energy, and what our thoughts are moving towards, is what ends up making life, period. How we direct our attention. Three years ago, and I remember exactly where I was when I read this uh, gospel passage and preached. I was at St. Michael's Catholic Church. It was my first year there. And it was a different time than it is right now. It was pretty kind of a rough time. Um, if you remember, we were in a gym. Um, and the reason we were in a gym is because you can only have a certain amount of people in church. And things were kind of wild. So we remember in 2019 and 2020, um, Life was kind of radically different in a lot of ways, and the, the, one of the ways, the way that I want to kind of focus on right now is people were really angry, and people did not have peace internally, to an extent that I have not seen at any other time in my priesthood thus far. People were really, really, really upset. Um, families were divided, and part of this was the political aspect. It was election time. Um, right around this time in those years and people were very charged up for this election and it felt to a lot of people like life and death and another reason is that kind of went side by side but not in perfect correlation with the elections and the political was how are we dealing with COVID and there's just debates and debates that transcended the, the political 
It's like some people felt like we need to do way more than we're doing to take care of this thing. And some people felt like we are going completely overboard right now. And this is ridiculous. And everybody was passionate. And this caused for division and families and friendships, etc. We all remember this. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. During this time, people were more in tuned to the news than I probably have ever seen. People were constantly just consuming news, consuming news, consuming news. And that's where a lot of the attention was being oriented, was towards the headlines and towards these debates. This was the orientation of people's thoughts and attention. And if we're being honest and straightforward, we should probably know that you know the news is being curated for us. We're not choosing the news. Yeah, we might choose which particular news source to tune into and to get our information from on what's going on in the world, but ultimately there are powers beyond us who are choosing what to reveal to us about what's going on in the world because there's an infinite number of things that could be revealed to us. And what ends up being revealed to us is generally 98% negative. That's what the news is, kind of. It's kind of the negative things that are happening in the world. And, and we should be very um, in tune with that, that, that fact. And as we're spending more time in all these headlines and focusing on all this stuff, people were miserable. People were absolutely miserable about things that they actually had no control over. At our climactic scene in the Gospel, Peter is invited by Jesus to do something that is absolutely ridiculous. He's invited to walk on water. So if I were to ask someone in this church to write a story that started off this way, I bet you wouldn't write it to end this way. Because, you know, okay, you know, the first part makes sense, right? These guys are out in the water. Actually, Jesus is the one who tells them to go to the other side. So he's kind of in control the whole time. He's telling them, go to the other side. And then this massive storm erupts. And they're like barely making it. They're barely alive throughout the night. And as Midwesterners, we're maybe not as familiar with the, the danger of these big bodies of water. But maybe we are. Maybe we've been in tricky situations ourselves. I have. I've been on Lake Superior before. I remember a couple times throughout my life. And that lake can just turn on a dime. The weather reports could be good for the day, but all of a sudden it's, the waves are very high and they get very scary. And it's not a place that you want to be. It's quite terrifying. So these guys are in that situation all night. And then they think they see a ghost. The ghost is actually Jesus. And then you would say, okay, then this is how you would write it. Then Jesus calmed the sea and, you know, they were like, wow, this guy is more than human. But that's not what happened. What actually ends up happening is Peter recognizes that Jesus is this ghost-looking figure. And Peter immediately calms down internally. As his attention is focused on Jesus, 
he immediately has confidence that everything's going to be okay. Oh, Jesus is here. We're good. I don't need to worry about this. Peter's confidence is so high that he asks that Jesus let him walk on water. Maybe we've heard the story a bunch of times, and so this goes past us, but that's not really an essential aspect to the story. Like, why does Peter need to walk on water? It's completely superfluous. It's very, very important because it shows what Jesus' presence does to us when we're fixated on him. When we fixate on Jesus, and we have this confidence in this relationship, just like a little kid whose mom comes home or dad comes home after they haven't seen him for a while, is just ecstatic. Oh, everything's going to be okay. Mom's home, dad's home. I don't need to really worry about anything anymore. That's the disposition of a child. That's the disposition of Peter here. It's a pure childlike confidence that is very, very good. It's a place that we, we want to strive for. And as Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on stormy water, we just know that it's just kind of crazy. He's walking towards Jesus. And what do we read? But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. When he saw how strong the wind was, takes his gaze off Jesus, starts paying attention to the waves and the wind, to all the various factors going on, and that instills fear in him. Now we should know, I'm, I'm sure we do, that one of the main tools of the devil, of Satan, is fear. Fear and lies, fear and lies, are some of his, those are like his tools. So if we're in a place of fear and anxiety, it's probably, it's probably usually not a good place to be. And so Peter focuses on all these things, he loses his, his, his gaze on Jesus, and then he starts to sink. How we orient our attention is imperative. It really is, I'm convinced, the, the absolute essence of living a good life is how we orient our attention. What are we spending time with? Who are we spending time with? If we're not spending time daily in prayer, and that, that's what prayer is. It's, it's me being with God. That could be, it could look a lot of different ways, but that's really just the essence of prayer. It's just making myself available to God. Now, sometimes God does show up in this, this kind of way that he shows up for Peter, and sometimes he makes us wait. God is a person. God is three persons. And just like we, sh we should know from our experience in, our, our, our in just regular relational human life, is people have free will. And what we're called to do is give the time to God. Sometimes God will very much make clear that he is there. Most of the time he probably will. But there will also be times where we won't 
we won't sense his presence. Just like he told these guys, I want you to go and get to the other side. But he didn't show up till the fourth watch of the night. Sometimes God does not make himself abundantly clear. He makes us wait. That's okay. That's normal. It's not always fireworks and prayer. We have to give our attention to God on a daily basis. My challenge for this congregation would be very standard. 20 minutes of prayer a day is a must. If our thoughts and our hearts are not oriented towards God for 20 minutes a day, we're probably going to be in trouble. It's, it's like, what else is more important than that? The most profitable thing that we can do as human beings is prayer. Prayer. We are made of body and we are made of soul. Because we are made of body and because we are made of soul, both need to be nourished and fed. And so to say, to sit down for 20 minutes of prayer daily, that shouldn't seem like a big ask or a challenge, actually. Because we sit down and we eat food, which nourishes our bodies. We don't want to have junk food for our souls. Because then what happens is we probably don't notice it right away. But like anything else, you just start to get kind of out of shape, so to speak using the body analogy. You start to just slowly put on, you know, a few LBs that you're not really super keen on. It happens slowly, and all of a sudden you walk up a flight of stairs and you're like, man, this is a lot harder than it was last month. We don't want to be in that state with our souls. What that looks like by, analog by analogy with the soul is it looks like living in a state of anxiety, depression, spiritual malaise, not having the peace that Peter has when he immediately sees the Lord. When we spend time in prayer, the Lord gives us courage. He settles things down. It takes a little bit of time. And a lot of times the biggest objection people give to, to prayer is, um, I, I feel like I'm not doing it right. If you're doing it, you're doing it right. That's not to say that there's not different degrees and that we can't grow in our capacity to pray, but if you're doing it, you're probably doing it right. Just to set aside the time for God. God blesses that. He takes care of us. We're giving Him 20 minutes a day. God's going to bless that. He's going to reward that. Even if we don't feel anything, even if we're distracted. Just a few practical takeaways. Do anything during that 20 minutes. It could be the rosary. It could be with our spouse. There's 89 chapters in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a great 90-day challenge right there. 90 days of prayer. I'm going to commit to 20 minutes each day. I'm going to read a chapter of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Very accessible. And I'm just going to pray with the Lord while I'm reading them. If something hits me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to talk to God, and then I'm going to go back to the text. Very straightforward. Just doing it, whatever it is. And one last thing is um, maybe there's a lack of peace when we sit down and we actually try to pray. And part of that could be just because we live busy lives and we move from one thing to the next and our souls kind of get in this, this pace that's not probably super helpful. But another reason could be is because there's some 
something that needs to be reconciled. And so if there's tension between myself and someone, an old friend that I'm going to have dinner with, something that we haven't really resolved in our relationship, there's going to be a barrier between us. And so to remove the barrier, if I, get in, you know, if I do something really rude to my wife, um, we're not going to be able to kind of have that peace until I ask for forgiveness, until there's a little bit of a conversation around that. And then we can move forward. We're probably in a better place than we were even before. And for us as Catholics, what we call that is confession. It's like, when was the last time I told God, I'm sorry for these things? And then we can kind of sit in that peace and reconciliation and know um, I am in a good place with the Lord. I am in right relationship. Lord, we ask you to bless us, to take care of us, to teach us how to pray, first and foremost. Teach us how to pray, Lord. Teach us how to pray, and teach us how to keep our gaze on you, not just during concentrated times of prayer, but even throughout the day. Feed us, Lord. Feed us with the spiritual food. We are your hungry children, and we know that we need you. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.